Gray hairs for God. And uh, I was thinking, wanted to know your guys' thoughts. I was thinking about getting a shirt made and putting on there no hairs for God. <laughs> Who in here would wear that with me? One, two, three, four. We've got about five strong in here. Okay. We've got some potential. But, uh, yeah, so I'm just repping a Restoration Fitness Church today, a Restoration Fitness shirt today. But maybe one day, maybe one day I'll have that No Hairs for God shirt. So I'll let you guys know. Or someone make it and give me one. That'd be great. We're on the move. Amen. Awesome. Well, we are excited about the new year. Um, and what the Lord is doing here in our community. My wife and I have been doing our best just to plan our, our year and get some, um, you know, some our vacations, all that good stuff on our calendars. So we've been uh, doing our best to do that. And um, our kids have been getting big. Just want to give you an update on the family whenever I do speak. But the kids are doing well. Uh, Ezekiel is eating everything in sight. Um, so far, he hasn't eaten anything weird or crazy. And then uh, Josie has been doing, she's been doing all right. She's been manifesting a little bit, just to be real with you guys. She's been a little bit of struggle. So be praying for my wife and uh, her to raise her up and when she's with her throughout the day. And, um, but, but the kids are awesome. It's definitely a new season for us, but we fully embrace it. We are jumping in to this season. I was telling some of the young married couples with children that it's not about trying to break through into something new, it's about breaking in. That with these kids, this is what it looks like. It's challenging, it's a blessing, it's frustrating, it's filled with joy. There's so many ups and downs, and one week is good and one week is not so good. Uh, but this is what it looks like for us, and we're going to do it together in the name of Jesus. We're going to do it as a family. So I want to encourage anyone who's maybe newly married or have new kids that this is what it looks like. There's no breakthrough necessarily, but it's breaking in. It's like that new baseball glove you get. you got to break that thing in to be able to use it. And so that's where we're at in our life. <clears throat> this morning, though, I want to share. Um, obviously, this month we've been focusing on the place of prayer. And Barry shared a powerful message last week on the joy and adventure of the place of prayer. We've been teaching on Wednesday nights. We've been breaking up into our prayer circles and been hearing a lot of positive feedback about that. One of the things, though, Barry had said in his message that I want to uh, venture down this morning is he said something along the lines that every believer has received a supply or a specified amount of authority from the Lord Jesus in the place of prayer. So you and me, we've been given supply by the Lord Jesus in the place of prayer. And so this morning, I want to talk about that supply. In Ephesians 4, it says that we're joined and knit together by what every member or every joint supplies, by which every part or every member does its share, causes growth of the body. So I'm the type of leader that if you come to me with some problems or you need some help doing something, I want to help you figure it out. I don't want to do it for you. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be harsh. But this is what the Lord wants for our body is that he wants mature children who put in their supply, whether you're young or you're old. As Josie has been getting older, I find myself putting her clothes on for her. And I ask myself, hold on, she can put clothes on for herself. All right, Josie, go to your room and put your clothes on. 
She can put supply in our household, even though she's three years old. She can do her part. And so as an eldership team, we're really believing that everyone from the least to the greatest will put in their supply, whether it's small or a lot. We want your supply in this body. If you don't do that, we won't be fully mature. We won't grow. There's a principle in the kingdom, and it's this, that every believer has a supply to put in which causes growth of the body, and it's not determined by the number of the believers. We think we need to get to 1,000 people in here, then we'll, then we'll reach God's destiny for our, our family here. That's not necessarily true. We need every person putting in supply. That causes the growth of the body. So we go from 300 to 1,000 or to 50. We should be a mature body but because everyone puts in their supply. Amen? And that's why I love, personally I love these prayer circles where it's not the microphone. You take that out the way, and you realize, man, people in here can pray. People in here have fire for the Lord. People are prophesying. They're getting pictures. They're getting scriptures. The Lord is using you to strengthen people around you in our prayer circles. Open up to Matthew 6. Father, we thank you for this morning. And Lord, we come to you, God, asking that you would speak to us by your spirit. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would bear witness to the truth this morning. God, that everyone in the room would discern what you are saying. They would discern the truth of your word. And God, I ask that you would help me to declare your word. Help me to speak the truth in love. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Matthew 6, talking about prayer, I want to go into the vein of personal prayer. A couple of weeks ago on a Wednesday, talked about the inner room precedes the upper room. If we don't have an inner life of prayer, then when we come together corporately, it's awkward. You ever see the guy who's like seven foot tall and super clumsy and just can't really, you know, he's playing basketball, can't really figure it out? Sometimes it can be that way when we expect people to put in their supply, but in the secret place at home, they're not in there. And so it can be awkward at times. But before we get into that, I want to address maybe our attitude towards prayer. The Lord really spoke to me this week concerning even my own attitude, and so I want to share that with you. So my wife and I went to dinner um, last night with the family, the Durden family, and what would it put off to them after leaving dinner, my wife and I were to be in the car and say, man, that was really draining. That was like super boring. That felt like a, a, a chore for sure. I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying that happened. I'm just giving you an example. Or we, you know, we're, we're there and we're saying nothing, nothing. We went there for two hours and nothing happened. It was like the most boring thing ever. 
How hurtful would it be to that family if they were to hear us say that? Or say I hung out with you, and I left you, and you caught word, hey, man, Brandon told me you hung out with you. He said it was pretty boring. He said it was like, it was draining. You sucked the life out of him. I mean, how would you feel? That'd be hurtful, for sure. How do you feel when you're, if your kids were to say that to you? Mom, Dad, you're boring. It's no fun. Nothing ever happens. It's pointless. It's hurtful. But I realized we do the same with the Father, with our attitude towards prayer. We don't say it out loud, but we think it in our hearts. We think it in our minds. We really do. And that hurts his heart. And so this week I'm sitting in my office and I realized that, Lord, for years I've had a bad attitude towards the place of prayer. But really it's not even the place of prayer that my attitude is bad. It's towards you. And so my whole paradigm for, for prayer is, is really changing again. And it's changed over the years many, many times. You continue to grow in revelation and grace for prayer. But this week, it really changed again, my attitude towards prayer. And I believe the Father this morning wants to, just before we get, even get into talking about prayer, he does want to address our attitude, that it is hurtful to him. And he wants us to stop doing that. And so if you need to, uh, this week, I spent some time, I repented to the Lord. Lord, change my attitude towards prayer. Change my attitudes towards spending time with you. And also in the same breath, it undermines the very work of Christ. Christ literally goes to hell and back so that we can have a place with the Father. And then this is our attitude. This is our posture towards the Lord. And so I'm not saying that to guilt you, to make you feel bad, then you'll pray more and all that stuff. I'm saying that because we need to be honest with ourselves. And I was honest with myself this week that that doesn't please the Father, and I want to be a Father pleaser. And so I'm asking him to change my attitude. So when someone says, hey, let's pray, or we call a prayer meeting, or anything like that, that our first attitude, if it's this attitude of, oh, gosh, we have to check that. We have to ask the Lord to help us to change that. Amen? Amen. Let's read Matthew 6, verse 6. He says, but when you, but you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So where is the Father at? Where is the Father at? He's in the secret place. So one of the, the insights to the secret place, I taught on this a couple of Wednesdays ago, so if you were there, this will be somewhat of a refresher, but I want to go further into this. One of the translations for the phrase secret place is storehouse or storeroom. So the title of my message today is called The Believer's Storeroom. It's one secret place in Greek is one word. It's one Greek word, 
And it means a storehouse, a store chamber. It's the interior of a house used for storage or privacy. It's a kept away place where supplies are divided and apportioned. The place where the steward has his seat. How many of you ever thought of the place of prayer like that? Most of us think of it as this place where it's like, like a desert. And you see that little bush thing, you know, just kind of rolling down there. We do. Dry, boring. But the Lord, he's saying, you, when you go and pray, go into your storeroom. This is the place where the steward had his seat. This is the place where supplies were divided and apportioned. So in the first century home, every first century home had a storeroom, and they can, this room contained all the important farming tools, all the supplies like oil, wine, and grain. Anything that was essential to survival for this family was in this storeroom. Do you see where I'm going? So Jesus, when we say, let's call a prayer meeting, Maybe sometimes we should say the Lord is calling us to our storeroom. That you have one individually and you, we have one corporately. This is a storehouse and you have a storeroom. We can look at it this way, that Jesus, he's the steward of the storehouse of heaven. We are the steward of our storeroom here on earth. There is a divine connection to your, the place of prayer, your secret place, to the Father's storehouse in heaven. And so there's a couple dynamics I want to talk about this morning. The first one is going to be the supplier of the storeroom. Another one is going to be the supply. And the third one will be the steward. So a lot of times when Jesus talks about prayer, he, there's a theme he keeps in the context of prayer is asking. You can't get away from asking in the place of prayer. Now, if you know me, I'm not into the whole name it, claim it, prosperity, ask for all this stuff, and just hope you get it and have a happy life. That's not my heart. But Jesus does tell us to ask the Father. In Psalm 68, in Psalm 103, in Psalm 116, here's what it says. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. What shall I give back to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? The Father is a giver. Do you believe that? The Father in heaven is a giver. He wants us to walk with him in his supply. The Father does not expect us to be about his business apart from his resources. The Father does not expect us to be about His business apart from His resources. I'm going to say it again. The Father does not expect us to be about His business apart from His resources. Now, last Sunday, Barry went into the place of prayer being the place where we primary, primarily delight in the Lord. We're there just for Him. One thing we desire of the Lord, one thing that we will seek, to dwell in the house of the Lord, to behold his beauty, to inquire in his temple. We pray and we go and meet with him for him. That needs to be established. And then 
continuing to move on, the Father has supplies for us to do His will. If you are about His will, if you want to see His glory revealed in and through your life, if you want to see His kingdom come, His will be done, all that stuff, guess what? You need His supply. You do. Do you think the Father expects us to be about His business apart from His resources? Otherwise, we do it in our own strength, we do it in our own wisdom. We do it in our own charisma. We do it all by ourselves. Who, who wants to do that? Raise your hand. No one. So let's talk about supply. Let's talk about the Father is a giver and he has supply for us as believers. Ephesians 1, it talks about, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Colossians 2, for in him dwells all the fullness of God, of the Godhead bod- and bodily and you are complete in him. Second Peter, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. This is actually in the Bible. I think in our culture here at Hot FM, we do need a dosage of this. I'm not talking about using the Father. I'm talking about utilizing his resources that he does have for us. And if you don't do that, you'll be dry. You'll be dry. It'll be boring. The life will be sucked out of you, et cetera, et cetera. Luke 12 says this, Do not fear, little flock, Jesus says this, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Do not fear, little flock, for it is the Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. And what we like to do is we'll put like 50 requirements before we even can get to that verse. No, Jesus tells us, it is in the Father's heart to give you the kingdom. The kingdom of God is full of resources and treasures and things that we can use to advance God's kingdom and for his glory. So God, he is the supplier. Here's what one man says about God as a supplier. He says, the Father is there in my storeroom, eager to replenish the supply of life and grace needful to me and those around me. Philippians 4, 19. Let's turn there. Coming after the orphan spirit. Four nineteen. See what Paul says? He says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Very simple, very short verse. The phrase shall supply. That's one word in the Greek. Can we put that on the screen? Here's what that means. This is what the Father wants to supply to you in the place of prayer. The Greek word is plero. It means to cram, to furnish, to fill up, to level up, to make full or to impact richly, particularly to fill a vessel or hollow place, to fill by diffusing something throughout 
to supply abundantly with something. He says, my God shall supply. He shall do these things. Can you keep that up there? When you think about going into the place of prayer, this is, what, this is the picture the Father wants you to have for him. Part of, part of our challenge here is that we have to renew our mind about prayer. For so long, it's been the, we talk about prayer, and it's the negative, it's the heavy, it's the burden, it's the, ugh. And I'm with you. I do it too. But look at this. This is what the Father wants to supply to you in your storeroom, in your secret place. He wants to cram some things in there, to furnish, to fill up. He wants to level up some things. He wants to fill. It's a hollow place. He wants to fill it. He wants to diffuse something. He wants to supply abundantly. Here's my example for all you ladies. I've been learning. The father and my wife are very similar. If you give them a hollow place, they will fill that thing up. Any other ladies? He will, def- they will diffuse, I mean, carpet, the pictures, I mean, everything. Joanna Gaines up in here. She will do it. But that's what the father wants to do too. I remember, this was, pro- this was probably seven years ago, I had a vision with the Lord, and this, I've always grabbed hold of this for a long time. But I remember I was walking in the wilderness with him, and I saw this like shack, this little cabin, and it was kind of beat up, and the Lord told me to go in there. And I go in there, and he says, Brandon, we're going to furnish this thing together. And he says, what you furnish this with is what you will live out of moving forward. So when you think about your secret place, when you think about your storeroom, you must partner with the Father to put supply in there. And whatever you partner with the Father and furnish with him, that's what you will live out of. So if you never go in there... Guess what you're living out of? Nothing. You can think about it all day long. You can desire to be in there. You can hope and wish and dream. You can, I mean, you can even read the Word. But if you never go in there and sit down with the Father who is the supplier, you'll never have anything in there. And then we wonder why we're burned out and I just can't do this stuff anymore. I mean, seriously, how can you burn out? Who's burned out? Raise your hand. There we go. Let's read this again. This is what the Father wants to do in the secret place. You have a storeroom with Him. If there's nothing in there, that's not His fault. That's your fault. You have to go in there. Some people don't want to go in there. If you're not going in there, I feel really bad. I feel bad for you. Because we can pray for you, we can, do, we can meet with you, we can counsel, we can do all these things. But if you don't go in there, you will continue to live out of nothing. And there's something about the, hearing the Father's voice for yourself. We can't pass by that. You need to hear the Father's voice for yourself. You can hear His voice most clearly in the quiet place. Shut the door. My wife and I, we help each other in this. 
Those who have families, you're thinking, well, Brandon, that sounds great, but we don't have time. Well, guess what? There's times I will get up early, she'll get up early. If the kids wake up, I'll get them, and she can stay with the Lord. We can work together in this. I'm not trying to paint a picture where we could just forget everything and go and pray all day. We can't do that. We actually have to work. We got relationships. We got family. We got all these dynamics in in our lives. But nonetheless, this is what the Father wants us to picture when we are with him. You know, part of this right here, this is the reason why so many people go to the intercessors. I love, the inter- I love intercessors. I love those who are in the place of prayer. But this is the reason why we go to them when we're struggling because guess what? They actually have some supply. They have something they can help and give us. Praise the Lord. But the Lord wants us to grow on to maturity. He says in Ephesians 4 that every joint supplies. Every joint. That's you. Not your neighbor. Don't, don't worry about them. You. You have a supply. So the Father is the supplier. If you don't go in there and meet with him, you won't have much supply for your life. The next one. The supply. So what is the supply? You ready for this? It's gold dust. It's uh, feathers from the angels. Little, you know, gold dust in your Bible or something, right? Isn't that the supply? No. We're smarter than that, aren't we? The supply is Christ himself. The supply is Christ Jesus himself. So if you go in there and you're expecting, you know, Marie mentioned it this past Wednesday. Some people think that when, you know, the elite people go to pray, it's like the angels begin ascending and descending. And, you know, just like the glitter comes out and the trumpets blow and all that stuff. And it's like, man, I wish I could just, that was me. No, that does not happen. Christ himself is the supply. Here's what Jesus says. Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will become a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. He says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger again. Isaiah 55, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good, and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Jesus Christ is your supply in the supply room. He's your portion. He's the food. He's the drink. I hope none of you are disappointed that it's nothing else. It's him. If that's not exciting or hopeful, I'm sorry. 
And here's, here's the good thing, is that when you're in the place w- with the Lord, when you actually begin to touch him, things come out of him. He's like oil. He's like fire. He's like water. He's like wind. When you are in the place with the Lord, if you touch him, something will come out of him. It always does. It's like the woman who was bleeding for years. She touched just the hem of his garment, and power flowed through him. This is what it's like in the place of prayer. When you meet with him in your storeroom, he is the supply. He's the face that you need to look at. He's the one you need to be with. If you do this, then when we actually come together to meet, you carry a revelation. You carry a word. You carry an insight. You carry knowledge. You carry wisdom. You carry something from the Lord that you can actually share. But if you don't have a revelation of it, when you share it, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't impact people. It doesn't change people. We all must, on our own, meet with the Lord. It might sound like a broken record, but I just, this, is, this needs to be said just to make sure if there's anyone struggling, anyone behind who needs to catch up, today's the day where you catch up. I know all of us, we carry some short, uh, sort of shame, condemnation in the place of prayer. Today is time to move past that. Let's move past talking about it, thinking about it. Let's actually begin to do it. Let's renew our minds concerning the Lord and this storehouse he has given us. So the Father, he is the supplier. Christ is the... Think about this. The scriptures talk about renewing your mind putting on the new man, putting on the armor of God, putting on tender mercies, kindness, humility, patience, love, power, and a sound mind. Romans 13, put on Christ. This is what you do when you go to spend time with the Lord. You're putting on Christ Jesus himself so that you can actually walk as he walked. You can say the things he's saying. You can think what he's thinking. You have to put on Christ. I can't put on Christ for you. Hopefully by me sharing this morning, this will encourage you to do that. Put on Christ. Clothe yourself with him. He is the supply. So if you ask yourself, okay, I go in there, I meet with the Lord, and what do I walk out with? You walk out with Christ. You clothe yourself in him. He doesn't just stay in there and hang out. No, he's with you. You put on tender mercies. You put on his character, his nature. You put on his person. Doesn't that sound simple enough? Because it is. It's not complicated. It's not confusing. I mean, we're not, it's not about how many hours or how many weeks you actually spend in there. It's actually about getting in there. Sometimes we get so consumed with, oh, I need to spend an hour in prayer. I'm all for putting, you know, time on there. But first, we need to start out with, do you actually like being in there? I mean, seriously, I'm going to go spend an hour with so-and-so. I don't even like them. 
That's our heart attitude. So we can say we're going to spend, you know, I remember when I first started my prayer life and me being introverted, it helped a little bit being introverted because I like time alone. But I remember I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm going to spend an hour in prayer a day, like one hour in a row, like not breaking it out five minutes here, five minutes, no, one hour. And I go in there and I'm like praying. I got my prayer list. I'm just like doing, doing whatever I thought I should do in there. And about... Fifty minutes later, I look at my watch, and it's only been five minutes. And I'm like, man, this is, this is actually, this is long. This is like, this is difficult. But what, here's the issue, is that I set myself on a number, meet the hour, and I didn't set myself on him. So if you, Lord, I just want to love you, and I want to love you in this secret place. If you focus on that, time won't be an issue. It will not be an issue. If you tell yourself, Lord, I want to love you, and I know you're in the secret place, and you go there, you won't have to worry about time. You won't need to set a timer. You won't need to look at your watch. You will be with the Lord. That's what you'll need to do. Is that simple? I know this morning it may be kind of like simple, kind of duh, but my belief, this is what our body needs. This is what we need to hear. That you actually have a place with the Lord. So the Father is the supplier. Christ is the supply. You are the steward. And as a steward... You have a personal assistant. Anybody know who that is? The Holy Spirit. You have a personal assistant. He will escort you into the place of prayer, and he will go with you out. So when you get in there and you're like, what do I do? Just turn your attention to the Holy Spirit. I was listening to uh, Todd White. He was sharing a testimony how he met up with Bill Johnson years, years ago when he first found the Lord. And he's, he's talking to Bill about his, Bill's prayer life. And uh, Todd's like, how do you, like, what's your time with the Lord look like? What do you do? And Bill said to him, I turn to the Lord. And Todd's like, what do you mean you turn to the Lord? Like, you turn to the left, you turn to the right. What do you mean you turn to the Lord? And he says, I turn to the Lord. And I'm like, that, that's the language. That's what it looks like in the prayer room. That's what it looks like when you're in the storeroom. If you're wanting some secret, I don't know if there's really some kind of secret. It's you get in there and you have to turn yourself to him. When you turn yourself to the Holy Spirit, he will lead you. He will guide you. You have to be a good follower. If you're not a good follower and you always want to lead, it won't go well in there. You have to actually follow. You have to submit. You have to surrender. You have to yield. I know you got thoughts. I know you got desires. You got some good intentions. You got all this stuff going on for you. But if you don't yield, if you don't stop, if you don't pause... If you're always on the go, this won't go very well. 
But the Holy Spirit, he is your personal assistant. He will lead you to Christ. He will lead you to the Father. Just want to put this out there, too. The Holy Spirit is not really interested in talking about the moon and the stars and all this weird stuff, this new age stuff. Jesus told us the Holy Spirit will tell you what I'm saying. He said the Holy Spirit will glorify me. If you go in there and you start learning all these revelations that are not concerning Christ, that's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is most zealous for Jesus. I know there's some, some goofy stuff out there. You got the revelation of this, that, and the other. You're reading the book of Revelation and you get lost and all you know is about the mark of the beast. The book of Revelation is the revelation of Christ. The Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to you. If you're not learning about Jesus in there, you better check who your teacher is. And some people say, well, like, man, I, when I go in there, like, I, I want to pray to the Father. I don't want to leave out Jesus. I don't want to leave out the Holy Spirit. I used to wrestle with that, too. Like, Lord, I'm not... Father, I'm praying to you, but Jesus, I'm not praying to you enough. And I need three different prayer meetings to pray to each one. Does anyone else have those, those thoughts? Or y'all are just holy and y'all are way further along than myself. But here's the thing. The Holy Spirit is so jealous and zealous for Jesus. And Jesus is so zealous and jealous for the Father. They won't feel left out. If you're in the place of prayer and your attention is on Jesus, the Holy Spirit is saying, yes. The Father is saying, yes. If you go in there and your attention is on the Holy Spirit, Jesus is saying, yes. The Father is saying, yes. If you go in there and your attention is on the Father, Jesus is saying, yes. The Holy Spirit is saying, yes. So you don't have to go in there and be all confused and have three different prayer meetings. He's one God. And I'm sharing that from personal struggle. Just being honest with you guys. So the Holy Spirit's your assistant as the steward. And you are the steward of the supply room. I want to talk about four unique qualities the Father is looking for in stewards. Four unique qualities the Father is looking for in stewards. In Colossians 2, 3, it says, In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So in Christ, there are things that are hidden. So the first quality, unique quality of a steward is that stewards are treasure hunters. The Father is asking you to seek Him. He is a rewarder of those who do that. In Matthew 7, it talks about asking, seeking, and knocking. Kenneth Weiss translates that verse this way. Keep on asking for something to be given, and it shall be given to you. Keep on seeking, and you shall find. Keep on reverently knocking, and it shall be opened to you. 
For everyone who keeps on asking for something to be given keeps on receiving. And he who keeps on seeking keeps on finding. And to him who keeps on reverently knocking, it shall be opened. The key phrase, keeps on. You are a treasure seeker. The Holy Spirit will help you search out the knowledge of God, the wisdom of God. Proverbs 2, can we pull it up on the screen, is one of my go-tos when I'm in the place of prayer. Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 6. My son, my daughter, that's you and me, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment, lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. You are a steward and you are expected to seek out the Lord for yourself. There are hidden treasures, there's wisdom, there's knowledge. You must ask. Now, let's be real. Throughout the week, we get into the place of prayer. There's times we're like, Lord, and I'm really feeling it this morning. I didn't wake up with the flames of fire. I didn't wake up with the rushing waters all over me. Anyone? I'm telling you, y'all are holy. Y'all are way past me this morning. But nonetheless, here's what I would encourage you to do. You need to keep posturing yourself before him. If you will just go there. Sometimes we're in a season where we just show up. That's okay. Just don't stay there forever. But if you posture yourself there, if you position yourself there, the Lord will meet you. The Holy Spirit will lead you, and he will guide you. John Thurlow, in one of his songs this morning, I may sing, should I sing it for you? Come on, I'll sing on the worship album now, too, if you get me going. He says this, he says, it's not my zeal, it's that your love is strong. It's not my strength, it's that you're faithful. Sometimes we just have to go into the place of prayer and just go. You may not have the feel goods, you may not be feeling strong, you may not be feeling the spirit, you may not be feeling all this whatever stuff you usually feel. You just need to go in there and let the Lord lead you and guide you. He is a shepherd. He will lead you. The second characteristic of a steward is found in Matthew 24. Let's go there. There's a parable. There's, we're going to get three parables here. Just read a couple verses. Out of each parable, we're going to get a character, uh, characteristic or a quality of a steward. Matthew 24, verse 45. It says this, 
Verse 45, Matthew 24. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Surely I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. One of the characteristics of a steward is that he is faithful. So as I just mentioned, when you're not filling the fire, you're not filling the water, you're not filling whatever you need to fill to go and pray, here's a strong quality of a good steward. He is faithful. He will show up every day. There were so many times I played basketball, I did not want to practice. The early practice, the late practice, I didn't want to do it. But guess what? I was faithful. I showed up, and before you know it, I was fully engaged. I made it through practice. I had help from teammates. I had help from the coach, whatever. But you must be faithful. If you don't have the characteristic of faithfulness, you won't last long. You must look into his faithfulness to you and then in return say, Lord, I want to be faithful like that. So when you don't have the fire, when you don't have all this good stuff, you can still be faithful. The Lord expects it. He requires it. That does not change. I don't, it doesn't matter what season you're in, you can be faithful. In 1 Corinthians 4, Paul says this, It is required in stewards that one be found faithful. The Lord is requiring that from you to be faithful. Be faithful with the small, then he'll give you much. Look at chapter 25. Let's look at verses 1 through 4. The third quality. The kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. The, second characteristic, or the third characteristic of a steward is that they are wise. And the one way to acquire wisdom is to ask the Lord. Proverbs 2, we just read it. Ask him, seek him. Knock on the door. He will give you wisdom. Proverbs 4, 7 says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And all you're getting, get understanding. You need wisdom as a steward of the Lord. Otherwise, as we know in the story of the, the parable of the ten virgins, five were foolish, five were not. If you don't have wisdom, you'll give all your supply away and you'll have none for yourself. But you need supply. This is why the inner room precedes the upper room. You need your own supply. You can't live off someone else's. I want to mention, too, I know we honor, we recognize spiritual fathers in our community. I love that. But we also need to remember that you have a father in heaven. You have a father in the secret place who will father you. If you want wisdom, I would encourage you to ask him first. If you ask him first and he speaks to you and gives you wisdom, you will be able to carry that in a real way and you'll be able to give it to others. 
and it will actually impact them. But if we're always asking other people, they'll give us their information, and we'll just keep passing information along. We'll never pass on revelation. We'll just continually pass on information to information to information. But when you hear from the Lord yourself, and you've been marked by it and changed by it, you can actually speak revelation into someone else's life. You have a father. He's in the secret place. Go there. He wants to talk to you. He will father you. And part of my own journey, I can't say that I've ever had a spiritual father that has, like, known me through and through and just known the deepest depths of me and always poured into me. I can't really say that. I've had some people in my life, some, some fathers in my life who have helped steer me and direct me and guided me. But I want to say this, for the most part, God has been my father. There's nothing wrong with that. If you don't have a spiritual father, doesn't mean you're not going to make it. Doesn't mean you don't have a call. Doesn't mean there's nothing good in you. It just means God's your father. Is that all right? I honor spiritual fathers. I honor, I honor those who have gone before. And I will seek them out. I will ask them questions. I will listen to them. I will inquire of them. I will do all those things. But don't get me wrong. I will go to the father too. The fourth quality of a good steward. So the first one was that they're treasure hunters. The second one, they're faithful. The third one, they're wise. The fourth one is found in Matthew 25, verses 14 through 21, the parable of the talents. It says this, The kingdom of heaven is likened, is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one to each one according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in, in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. So the fourth quality is stewards are good. Here's what this word good means in this context. It means to be morally honorable and pleasing to God and therefore beneficial. As a steward of your storeroom, you need to be most concerned with pleasing the Father. You should not be concerned with pleasing the pastors and leaders, pleasing mom and dad, pleasing your friend over there. You are called to please God. Bob Mumford coined the term, we need to be father pleasers. I want to be a father pleaser. And here's he, he says to this servant, well done, good. Well done, one who has pleased me, one who has been with me. Sometimes I wonder, like, Lord, is this stuff too simple? I'm serious. I'm like, Lord, should it be more like deep, more like 
swerving, complex kind of stuff? Nope, here it is. Anyone can do this. You don't need to be a leader, a pastor, etc. Anyone can do these things. I was at the Young Adults last Thursdays, and I shared a message out of 1 Thessalonians 4. I'm even still wondering to myself, is this a real verse? But it says, Paul says to them that you would live a quiet life, you would mind your own business, and work with your own hands. Is that verse in your Bible too? I mean, it's in there, but I look at our Christian world, and I'm like, I don't really see that. I don't see ones who are minding their own business, who are working with their own hands. It, and some, some people may say it's, it's a sin to, to live a quiet life. You need to be loud. You need to stir up controversy. You need to always be poking people and getting in their business. Is that what it's called to be a believer? No. It's okay if you lead a quiet life, if you mind your own business and you work with your own hands. The Father is pleased with that. You don't have to be a superstar. You don't have to have a mega church. You don't have to own the biggest business in the world. No one can know you. No one can even like you. You can still be a father pleaser. You can be a good steward. So I'm, I'm reading this in New Testament scripture, and I'm saying, you know what? I'm going to take care of my family, be a good husband, be a good dad, be a good friend. I'm not going to get caught up into numbers. I'm not going to get caught up into who knows me. If I don't get any followers on Facebook, I don't care. Half the time I don't even post on there. I probably should be more engaged with the Facebook social media world. But in some, some days I'm like, Lord, this is a huge distraction. I know people use it for ministry and all those things, but... You can use that for ministry all the while you don't even know the Lord anymore. You're so consumed with social media stuff. I know maybe someone older gets up here and preaches against social media. You may say, well, that's the older generation. Well, yes, I'm part of the younger generation, and I'm telling you, social media may be the biggest distraction to your life in God. Can you live out 1 Thessalonians 4 to live a quiet life, mind your own business, and work with your own hands? Can you do that? If you can't do that, but you can live this life on social media, you got it backwards. You're not, I mean, I'm going after a biblical lifestyle. I want the Holy Spirit to lead me into all truth. That's just me, so I don't know what you guys think, but. So, notice that, though, we're talking about stewards here. The Father does not make mention or he does not give a lot of concern to big ministries, big businesses, big followings, or big influence. There's very little talk about that when the Lord is talking about the stewards that are pleasing to him. They seek him. They want to be faithful. They're wise and they're good. So my question today is, are you a faithful, are you a wise, are you a good, are you seeking God as a steward? He's given you a storeroom. Here's what one man says about the storeroom. He says, 
regardless of how things look in the rest of the house and garden, if provisions are dwindling in the storeroom, the life of the household cannot continue for long without being endangered. In other words, the storeroom is the room of truth, the space that either ensures the continuing well-being of the family or threatens to wreck it. So we can't blame other people for our lives being wrecked or mess. It's actually our responsibility. No matter what you go through, in a good season, in a bad, mountain high, valley low, you're responsible, you're responsible for your attitude and for your secret place, for your storeroom. That's it. We've been, as a staff, we talk about stay in your lane, do your thing. That's what we need to do. We need to stay in our lane and just do your thing. The Father is pleased with that. So, hopefully, I've painted somewhat of a picture for you in the place of prayer, your storeroom. Who in here wants to begin to access their storeroom? I know I do. So when you go home and you think about prayer and you think about time with the Lord, the Father is ready to give supply. I'm not trying to bypass what Barry talked about last Sunday, but he already talked about it. Delighting in God is first. Yes and amen. I would echo, I listened to part of his message again this past week, and I'm like, That's a, we could just listen to that again on the screens, enough said. I loved it. It was powerful. It's true. And we cannot look past, though, that the Father has supply for us. What kind of father would just leave his kids with nothing but tell them to take over the world? I mean, like, come on, Lord, give me some, something to work with. No, he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. So it is, it is time to level up in the place of prayer so that we would have enough supply to cause growth within ourselves, our family, and the body of Christ. This morning, I'm praying my desire in communicating this message is that we would all level up. That was one of the definitions in the word. For God shall supply in Philippians 4.19, that you personally would level up in the place of prayer. You would meet with the Father and that you would see that he has things for you, not just for yourself, but for others. But yes, you must first receive it for yourself so that you can give to others. Freely you have received, freely give. Last thing I'll read here, and then we're going to take communion together this morning. If I can have um, the deacons come on, come on up and they can get communion ready. And if um, you want to come play on the keys. Thank you. Here's what Andrew Murray says about the place of prayer and about being delivered from prayerlessness. He says this, Thank God I begin to comprehend that the Lord Jesus is himself in the inner chamber, watching over me and holding himself responsible to teach me how to approach the Father. He only demands this, that I, with childlike confidence, wait upon him and glorify him. I'll read it again. He says, Thank God 
I begin to comprehend that the Lord Jesus is himself in the inner chamber watching over me and holding himself responsible to teach me how to approach the Father. He only demands this, that I, with childlike confidence, wait upon him and glorify him. So for those who know, because we all know we should pray more, we all know we should spend time with the Lord more. And all of a sudden, we're in condemnation, we're in shame. But here's the thing. Jesus himself wants to teach you how to pray. And he is taking personal responsibility to do it. So if you go in there thinking you got some cool ideas and you know how to do this and that, you're wrong. Jesus is making it personal. He wants to get up in you, your business so that he can teach you how to pray. Will you let him do that? It's simple. Will you let him? If you let him, he will do it. So we're going to take communion all at once, but it'll be a time where you can, I want you to reflect and I want you to dialogue with the Lord concerning your storeroom, your secret place. So if you in the gray chairs want to stand, you guys can come up here. If you're in the back, the black chairs, you guys can stand up, and they got trays back there. But go ahead and stand with me and move forward to grab communion.